Don't say die, we won't give in We're number one We'll hold the line We won't step back, we'll just attack time after time We're lightning fast We'll drive like rain We won't be beat, we won't retreat Ice in our veins We are the storm from Melbourne Town We'll blow the others off the ground We are the storm and we're number one We are the Storm and we're number one. Welcome to Stormcast, the official Melbourne Storm podcast, episode 25. As always, a quick shout out to those of you who are supporting the podcast by downloading and subscribing to Stormcast with Gobs, the one and only Melbourne Storm podcast. Stormcast is your one-stop shop for discussing all things Melbourne Storm. Stormcast with Gobs is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. As always, I'm your host, Gobbs, and I'll be here bringing you the latest news, views and storm content over the 2023 season. Now, let's get on with the podcast, shall we? Well, it was a uh, disappointing night at uh, Blue Bet Stadium. The only highlight coming through, a young Tonomapia try. ...by George, focused on getting the ball and not racing away to score. Tonomapia! He has dominated the last two plays of the game to score the first try. The bust, the kick, and then the carry. Without sugarcoating it, the Storm were outclassed in every facet against the reigning premiers. Dominated by their medals, that resulted the Storm having very limited opportunity with next to no room, no space, and no time to threaten with the ball once they did have it um, with their shape on both edges. Panthers suffocated the Storm, attacking with their defence, giving them no latitude whatsoever across the entire 80 minutes. Their line speed in defence is off the chart and it is relentless across the entire duration of the game. It does not stop. They are an absolute juggernaut, and you have to dip your lid and respect the team and the football club that they are. They are a remarkable organisation, and they're a tremendous tremendous rugby league team, tremendous sporting franchise. Uh, What they've been able to do over the past three three to four years has been re- absolutely remarkable. Um, yeah, I, I, I have the utmost respect for what they have been able to create um, and the consistency uh, across that period of time has been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You talk about dominance and you talk about eras... Um, and dynasties. Well, the Panther, the Panthers are creating one right now, and it's not too dissimilar to the dominance that the Melbourne Storm started to create for two decades. Um, and the key to that is pathways and development. And you go through, you go back through the the echoes of time, and you look at those great Storm teams over. You know, the 2006 all the way up to 2020. Um, you look at all those players that have come through and won premierships and played in numerous finals games and gone on to play representative football. The common denominator was that over 80 to 90% of players that were playing in those storm teams, very similar to what is occurring. At the, foot, at the foot of the mountains with the Panthers at the moment, is that these players made their first grade debut at the club. So they weren't bought. They were developed. And that's, that's the key. Development is everything. You can go out and you can recruit and it becomes a bit of a sugar hit. So you might have some quick success, quick wins, Keeps the Wolves at bay from a coaching perspective. Keeps the members and fans happy. Keeps the board happy. Keeps the corporates happy. 
but it's not sustainable. And this is what the Panthers have been able to, to do. And this is what the Storm have been able to do for such a long period of time. Even now, even now, uh, whilst they're not having one of their more dominant seasons, uh, to still be in the top four at round twenty, round 24 um, and to be playing finals virtually every year since 2003 by the blight of 2010 goes to show you that sustainable success is achievable, but it can only be done through strong pathways and strong development of player. And we're seeing that now with the Panthers. And someone who doesn't get enough accolades and doesn't get enough reps is former general manager of football, uh, who's now currently the general manager of football at Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, is Phil Gould. He set up those pathways. He put those satellite academies in place um, in the Central West, in Dubbo and Bathurst and and whatnot, um, and obviously got the the their their massive junior nursery humming again. Um, it's one of the largest junior nurseries um, in Australia in terms of rugby league. It's a growing population. Um, and every single junior that plays in that district at the moment, all of them want to grow up and pull on a Panthers jersey. And... That's aspirational for the Storm. That's where they have to get to. And the Storm are on their way. The Storm are on their way. 5,000 registered juniors, um, 1,000 female participants. Um, The Storm Academy, which was set up and established and is under the watchful guise of former Melbourne Storm winger Matt Duffy, Dufty, I should say, is um, the quintessential part of ensuring that you can have successful development coming through the local district of the NRL Victoria in and around Melbourne as well as the outskirts of Melbourne and, and, and wider Victoria is that you need to be able to provide a pathway and visibility for those kids to be able to say, you know what, I want to be able to pull on a Melbourne Storm jersey because one of the major reasons why the Storm Academy was set up is because they were leaking too many kids, promising juniors from the area, born and bred Melburnians, were going to the northern states because they didn't see a, a viable pathway through to NRL football. That's now changed, and that's what Penrith has been able to successfully do for such a long period of time now, um, thanks to Phil Gould, who I made mention to. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've gone on a bit of a tangent there, but I'll, I'll get back to the Round 23 uh, review. They, yeah, the Panthers were just... Clinical. They almost played the perfect game of football for eighty minutes, and a lot of that, a lot of that comes through the defensive resolve, defensive resilience, um, the defensive aptitude that they showed. Um, and again, it's just, it is just uncompromising. It, they just do not stop. They are one hell of a fit team, one hell of a fit team. Their situational awareness in defence. The ability to scramble—it's um, just effort on effort on effort on effort, and every single player never misses their assignment in defence. They are just a, a remarkable machine. They do not stop. They do not stop. They're like cyborgs. They're like terminators. It's insane. Um, but again, you've got to respect it. You've got to respect it. And that's something that the Storm need to get back. They need to get back that defensive resolve and that killer instinct. And and there's no reason why they can't because, yes, and I've made mention to it previously, is that this is the youngest Storm team, the most inexperienced Storm list that Craig Bellamy's ever had at his disposal. 
But you look at the Panthers, and their average age is probably about the same. They've got a lot of young kids there as well. Which goes to show you that you just can't pin your inexperience or the the average age of your squad to say, oh, well, we're not defending well because we're... You know, we've got kids in our in our in our team that are they're only 10 20 30 40 games into a career well the panthers have that yet they're the best defensive team in the comp and that was one thing that the storm had always prided themselves on is having that defensive purple wall forever and a day the melbourne storm have always been a top 2 defensive team and they need to get back towards that they need to get back towards that um, there's four weeks left heading into finals and they need to start playing their best football because you don't want to be limping into the finals, even with the top four spot, which we, we saw last year with the Sharks, is that they finished second and they went out the door in straight sets. Why? Well, they were just conceding too many points. You can't expect to concede 30-odd points in two finals games and expect to be there in the first Sunday in October. And that's where the Storm have to get to. They need to get that defensive resolve. They can't expect to just outscore and out-attack their way to a premiership. They need to get that defensive resolve back. And they've shown it. That's the most frustrating thing. They've shown it. They've shown it multiple times this, this year. Yet it's the inconsistency in in being able to demonstrate that so the sooner they get that, and again, I think it's a mental. I think it is definitely mental. It's an attitude thing. It's a mental thing. Um, and it can even be broken down into individual. So the individual mentality of I'll let someone else do it today or someone else can make that tackle or someone else can get across there and stop that shift play that's coming across or someone else can take that man in the middle or I'm at C defender, I'll let A and B push the inside pressure. Um, I'm second marker but I won't chase because I just can't be bothered. I'm tired, I'm fatigued, etc. These are the little idiosyncrasies, these are the little thought processes that potentially could be going through players' heads during a game of football. And if if they are, they are going through because of fatigue or because of the lack of momentum, lack of ascendancy on the back foot, it's, you name it, the the going is getting tough um, and people start to look for the out button rather than gritting down on the mouth guard and, and really getting into the grind. That's, that used to be the storm's bread and butter, getting back to the grind and... Hopefully they do get back to that because, again, at the moment, as I think everyone can attest that watched that performance last week, it's the Panthers' premiership to lose, to be honest. Everyone else at the moment is just making up the numbers. Bellyache was asked in his press conference post-game, uh, about the performance, and this is what Craig Bellamy had to say. Tim and Harris, Craig, really, first half sort of stuffed you, and then they shut you out. But, um... Yeah, we um, the Panthers are really good at you know, you know, playing the possession game in the field position game, and. Uh, they did a, a great job there in the first half, but with all due respect, we really helped them. You know, we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot; we just blew our feet off in the first half. Um, like I say, just with errors and just some, just looked like we were looking for you know shortcuts, you know, and that doesn't work against a team like that or you know the team that they've been the last three or four years. And um, you know, you need to be nearly squeaky clean to you know to, to, to go with them, but. Like I say, the, the, the first half was really disappointing how many errors we made. Um, as I said, you know, just some... Uh, I don't want to say dumb things, but they were dumb things. You know, and that, that put a lot of pressure on us and took a lot of pressure off them. And the second half, it was a you know, real arm wrestle. And, um, you know, again, I think we were... 
probably a bit fatigued in the second half. You know, we didn't really look look like he to score a try, to be quite honest. I don't know whether that was a bit of fatigue or whether it was a, a lack of communication. But, you know, I was really happy with our effort in the second half. I thought, you know, we tried really hard. Having said that, I think we tried our effort. It was OK in the first half. But like I say, the, the amount of errors that we made, we'd, you know, you're never going to... You're never going to go close to a to a team like Penrith if you play like that. So true, so true, and it's one of those things you got to be disciplined and you got to be matching them defensively in order to get anywhere near them. Um, and the storm, the storm errors were terrible. Um, put a lot of pressure back on themselves. Um, when really they should have just turned up and got ready to get into the arm wrestle, but um, I suppose the the frustration of being unable to dominate the ruck, get any sort of momentum or ascendancy through the middle third, not being able to get into good ball, um, attack the Panthers' red zone, sort of leads to players starting to try and make decisions and win game, win the game off a flashy play, which, again, low percentage play, an offload, a pass that's not on, which leads to an error, which then all of a sudden gives possession straight back to the Panthers uh, or, or any opposition to that fact. And it's, uh, yeah, they did a lot of dumb stuff, which Bellyache referred to in the first uh, in the first half, but you couldn't question the effort. That was that was the thing. Whilst you know the scoreline got out to twenty to six at half time, the effort was still there. You can you can see it in body language. You can see it in energy, and the energy was still there for the storm. Um, and they were trying, and, and, and whilst trying results sometimes, as I said, you push the pass that isn't on, and you're making. Brain dead decisions with the ball. It's not just for the hell of it. It's because they're trying, and that's re- re- relates to that relates to performance, and the performance relates to effort. So there is plenty of effort, and to only concede one try in the second half um, goes to show that, that there was plenty of effort throughout the game. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see the learnings that they do take away from from that performance last Friday night um, and the previous performance um, six weeks ago when they played down at Marvel. So because there's every likelihood that at some stage, depending on what happens with the top eight and the top four, um, without trying to put the mock on the on the club, um, and the team is that there is a chance that the Storm are going to play the Panthers at some point during the final series, be it week one or week two or hopefully week three um, or even week four in the big dance, and they're going to have to look at those two performances and realise where they went right, where they went wrong, areas for improvement, and how best to shut them down. And that's no mean feat because at the moment the Panthers are almost unbeatable. Almost. I say almost because everyone is beatable. Everyone is beatable. All you need is a good month of football in the finals and you can catch fire, um, which we've seen time and time again over history, over the years. And... Um, that's why it's important the Storm start to string some momentum together coming into the finals because if you can have one good month of football, then anything is possible. Anything is possible, guys. So, and I go back to 1995 where you had the Manly Warringah Seagulls who had lost two regular season games all year the best team in the competition, or probably the best team in the competition for three years, and they've only got one premiership to show for it. So 95, 96, 97, they played in three consecutive grand finals. Um, they won 96, lost 95, and lost 97. And in 1995, um, virtually it was 
Manly, Warringah Seagulls first, Daylight second. Um, two games during the regular season, and they lost the grand final to Canterbury-Bankstown. Bulldogs, who are the only team under the top eight system to actually win the competition from outside the top four. They were sixth. And as I said, you go on a good run, a good month of football, with plenty of momentum, plenty of confidence, anything is possible. So everyone is beatable, even the Panthers. Teamless Tuesday. Xavier Coates and Jerome Hughes are set to return for the Melbourne Storm lineup as the club head home, thankfully, to Amy Park to take on the Canberra Raiders for members' appreciation round this Sunday. So all you members, get out there. For all you non-members, become members and get out there. Uh, I think the club this year is sitting at just a tick over 32,000. Um, and that was um, down from cracking the 40,000 last year. So um, obviously cost of living, etc., has probably played a bit of a role in that. Um, but it would be good to see the Storm crack 40,000 again in the coming years, if not more. I know they had ambitions to, to go to 50. Um, this year, and unfortunately that hasn't materialised. Um, again, probably due to uh, the nature of the Women's World Cup uh, being displaced, um, cost of living issues and the inconsistency in nature. Not everyone is a rusted-on supporter. People like to win all the time and each to their own and different strokes of different folks. To me, if you're, if you're a supporter and you become a member... You ride the ho- the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows. Uh, that's what it's all about. You buy the ticket. Um, you've just got to enjoy the ride. And when the club is going through a bit of a, I suppose, a bit of a transitional phase at the moment um, with a younger playing group and the inconsistency that comes with it, you've got to take that. You've got to understand that you can't win all the time. Um, and there's going to be there's going to be moments. Over the over the past uh, over the next few years, where as this list matures and becomes more experienced, that the glory days are going to be back again. But it's the period what we referred to as last year of missing the top four, um, the inconsistency in this year's um, showing. Um, you need. You need you need success, um, and success will come again. So, well, success is still there. It really comes down to the definition of success, right? So, I mean, you ask you ask a a team like Wests Tigers or St George Illawarra Dragons at the moment, would they prefer to be in the position that the Storm have been in for the past twelve to eighteen months? Hell, yes, they would. So beggars can't be choosers, and I think sometimes we, we're we too quick to judge and compare Melbourne Storm teams of the past to this current group when it's really unfair to do so. It's really unfair to do so. So you've got to take the current squad on its own merit, and again, this season isn't over, so let's just see how it pans out. But uh, I digress as I, uh, again, go on another tangent. My apologies, but yes, it's members' appreciation round. So I hope as many members get out there this Sunday. I'll be there. I'll be flying down from Sydney um, and at, at attending mem- members' round. So really, really looking forward to getting down to Melbourne uh, and Amy Park again uh, this weekend, uh, which would be fantastic. So I love getting down to Melbourne. Um, but yes, on to round... 24, after missing round 23 due to a hip injury, Xavier Coates will once again take to the field in the number five jersey, whilst unfortunately, a bit of a injury update with uh, George Jennings uh, will start uh, his recovery from a medial ligament tear suffered in the Storm's previous Friday night clash against the Panthers. Uh, very unfortunate for George. Um, 
he's had a shocking run of injuries and I know he's off contract at the moment, so I don't know what that looks like going forward. I suppose we'll find out when the season concludes. Um, but, yeah, Godspeed on the recovery for Jenko. Um, Jerome Hughes also uh, will once again join the Round 24 squad at halfback, whilst young halfback Jonah Pezzett returns to the extended reserves list. Young Tonomapia remains alongside Marion Seve in the centres, with the Victorian junior preparing to run out for his 50th Melbourne Storm game, uh, a milestone only achieved by one other Southern State native, Mahe Fanua. So congratulations to young Tonomapia, who will make his 50th Melbourne Storm appearance after debuting in 2014 for the Storm. The interchange bench sees Bronson Garlic named with Eli Katoa, Tepo Moroa and Nelson Asofa Solomona with Remus Smith also joining the reserves after a stint in the Host Plus Cup last week to round out the 19. Uh, so Remus Smith returns from the adductor strain that he sustained against the Knights um, and um, in round 22. So uh, round 21, round 21. So... Uh, good to see that Remus made a successful return to uh, the uh, rugby league field last week playing for the reserve grade uh, feeder team, the Brisbane East Tigers. Now, let's look at the Storm team in total. Nick Meaney, again at fullback. Will Warbrick and Xavier Coates uh, are on the wings. Marion Seve and Young Tonomapia retain their centre positions respectively. Cameron Munster and Jerome Hughes are together in the halves. Tui Kamikamitha and Christian Welsh are in the front row with Harry Grant at hooker. Trent Liero and Tom Eisenhuth uh, are in the second row with Josh King at lock. On the interchange bench, Bronson Garlic, Alicia Katoa, Tepo Moroa, Nelson Asofa Solomona round out the 17. On the extended reserves, we have Alec McDonald, Remus Smith, Jonah Pezzett, Tarek Sims, who returns from a two-week layoff after being suspended after his indiscretions against the Knights. And Tyron Wishart is in jersey number 2022. So let's have a quick anal- analysis of the squad. Um, I like the bench. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, Tarek Sims potentially finish somewhere in the 17. Um, and that may come at a cost of Bronson Garlic with potentially Tom Eisenhuth as a utility coming back to the interchange bench um, with Tarek Sims uh, joining the interchange bench with Elisa Katoa going into the second row. Um I don't mind Nelson coming off the bench. I think he's a point of difference in providing impact. Um, So that would probably be the only sort of change I could see possibly happening. I suppose the other one would be Remus Smith, who's obviously listed in the extended reserves, but does Marion Seve or Young Tonomapia really deserve to lose their... Their positions, well, I'm not sure. It's uh, Remus Smith is probably, along with Justin Ollum, they're probably the two number one, number two centres at the club and in this team and in this list. So if he's fit, if he's available and he's being named in the extended squad, I don't understand why you wouldn't name him if, if you don't intend on playing him. So there potentially could be a late change uh, to the back line with, I'm assuming, Marion Seve uh, may may lose out and um, Remus Smith replacing him at right centre, which would be unfortunate for Seve because I think he's been really, really solid since um, returning to the first grade team, um, getting average injuries and, and being a real consistent performer in that regard. So... But unfortunately, with with Remus back, someone's got to make way. Um, so, and if he's fit, well, you got to put him in. So, that would probably be the only two changes I could see. That Tarek Sims comes onto the bench um, with 
Tom Eisenhuth reverting back to the bench with um, Eli Katoa starting back uh, at right second row on the edge and Remus Smith coming back into the side at right centre. Now let's look at our opposition. The bogey team, the Canberra Raiders, Riggies Raiders, Jordan Rapana, uh, or Rapana, I should say, is at fullback. Albert Hobawadi, who's having a great season for the Green Machine, is named on the wing with Nick Kotrick. Kotrick. Um, Ethan Strange, young debutante. Um, I'm not sure if anyone had the opportunity to watch the New South Wales versus Queensland under-19s game, but this kid is a superstar. He had an absolute night out against the Maroons playing for the New South Wales Blues under-19s team. He is every bit a footballer, um, and he will have, I think, a debut to remember. He's a very, very special talent, um, so... He'll be in jersey number three, so I'm sure the Storm will be trying to do as much homework on video work on him as possible. Uh, Matthew Tomoko is another underrated player. Very, very strong, very deceptive, very very fast as well. Um, and loves to cause havoc against the Storm. Uh, Jack Whiten and Jamal Fogarty are their halves. Josh Papali'i and Joseph Tarpany in the front row with Zach Wolford at hooker. Hudson Young, uh, who made his origin debut this year. Elliot Whitehead um, and Corey Horsburgh make up the Raiders' back row. Um, Adrian Trevelyan, uh, Emre Gula, uh, Pasimi Solo and Ate Meriotora are on the interchange bench for the Raiders. Um I don't know what it is about the Raiders. They do not fear the Storm. They they respect the Storm, but they do not fear the Storm. Um, and they love playing at Amy Park. They've won the last five games against the Storm at Amy Park. That is diabolical from a Melbourne perspective. They have almost a better success rate at Amy Park against the Storm than they do at GIO Stadium in Canberra when they play the Storm. So don't know what it is, but they, they must enjoy the atmosphere, uh, the surroundings, the conditions, the turf. Um, yeah, don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's just one of those uncanny, unexplainable things that, for whatever reason, they just they get up for this game and they just enjoy coming and spoiling the party for the Storm. Um, yeah, very, very frustrating from a Storm perspective. They really are. They really are the bogey team, winning five from the last six. So I think you have to go back to uh, 2021 when the Storm played at uh, GIO Stadium uh, just before the uh, the COVID lockdown um, and the relocation of, of the team to Queensland um, for the second time. Uh, but that was the entire competition. So that was the last time the Storm have actually enjoyed a victory. But they haven't, they haven't enjoyed a victory of sorts against the Raiders at, uh, at Amy Park for a very long time. So it's time to to right that wrong and, and put a stop to it um, because there's a lot on the line, a lot on the line. There's a, The Raiders have a style of play that really um, makes the Storm uncomfortable. They're very unorthodox. Um, we've spoken about it before. The Storm enjoy defending structure, defending shape. But one thing they don't do well traditionally is they don't they don't defend second phase play and a lot of ball movement um, really disrupts their defensive systems and throws out um, their shape defensively and their defensive systems. Um, so that's something that the Storm have have to really, really going to have to manage because the likes of uh, your Tarpanese, your Papali'is, your Elliot Whiteheads, your Hudson Youngs, your Corey Horsburghs, all the all the big boys in the middle, they love an offload. And if they can generate second phase play through that sort of the middle third, 
That'll compress the storm's defence, which is going to leave the storm's edges very, very vulnerable. And as we know, when you've got new wings and centres, uh, centre pairing, um, those traditional sort of defensive systems aren't going to be strong. And that's why I think if Remus Smith is available, you need to you need to throw him straight back in on that right edge because his defensive uh, understanding with uh, winger Will Warbrick um, and then the three-man and the four-man in uh, Jerome Hughes and Ellie Katoa on that edge who've done all those repetitions uh, in pre-season and throughout the season, they understand their defensive system uh, better than others when you get a new player come in. And sometimes that's unfortunate but um, and it can't be helped, but, yeah, that's the Storm are going to have to be on their game um, especially with the, the Raiders who have a template and they'll def, dare say will utilise that template uh, to try and, again, cause a boil over at Amy Park, which they've done time and time again, especially the last five times. So, um, yeah, the, the offloading game, the second phase play game of the Raiders uh, is definitely something that the Storm are going to have to really shut down. Uh, and their pack, look at their pack. Their pack is insane. Papali'i, Tapani, uh, two of the best middle forwards in the game. You've got Corey Horsburgh, who's having an amazing breakout year um, at lock. So you've got three big bookends there that just can roll downfield with ease. Hudson Young is just a tremendous line-running line back rower who's got a good pass in him. He's got a good kick in him. Um, there's a, he's got a bit of ball playing about him as well. Uh, and Elliot Whitehead, who's just an experienced campaigner, go about his job, nothing gets past him. Um, they're, they're a very underrated four-pack, in my opinion. Um, they get the job done, and on their day, they can challenge anyone in that regard, which allows the, I suppose, the, the exuberance in their back line to do their thing. Um, so... Yep, it's uh, Jordan Rapana is a jack-in-the-box, always competing, um, always agitating um, and always asking questions. Um, again, we talk about unorthodox. Uh, Jordan Rapana is unorthodox as it gets. He just very, very good, smart footballer and he'll be, he'll be causing all sorts of trouble uh, on the end of shape for the Raiders, one would assume. So, again... Um, the Storm are going to have their, their work cut out for them. Um, I suppose it's also going to be in the back of their minds that the, the Raiders have the wood on these guys. So 2 o'clock on a Sunday, great conditions for rugby league, fast, open field play, no sort of dew. So I'm expecting a lot of ball movement by both teams um, and I suppose the de- the best defensive team is going to come away with a win. So <sighs> this clash will have a massive, massive bearing and I suppose will have massive ramifications on the top four as well, specifically for the Storm, who are currently in fourth position. But whilst dropping games uh, against the Knights and the Panthers over the past three rounds, other results went their way, which has, has seen them maintain a top four spot um, thankfully, but they need to win to basically solidify it. Uh, and that starts it starts this week. They need to really, 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 really get to it. Um, yeah, and, and hopefully get it done in that regard. So, yeah, it's... I don't know, it's... it's, it's you, you can probably tell I'm, I'm, I'm quite nervous. I am quite nervous about this. So Christian Welsh was um, asked about it during his media conference during the week. Let's hear what Welsh he had to say. Christian was just talking to Tom. He said the result on the weekend was a bit heartbreaking going up there and not being able to get the chocolates on the weekend. What's your view of how everything went down up there? Yeah, I think um, they've been the best NRL team the last three or four years. Um, this season, the Broncos and Panthers are setting the setting the pace there, aren't they? So, um, yeah, it's disappointing. Some some promising signs like in the game, um, but obviously we're not there yet. Yeah, um, you know, 
not as good as Penrith at the moment, and, and we know that. And we're working really hard to, um, I think, another four weeks of, of the season and try and really keep building and, and growing as a team. Is it concerning so close to finals coming up with results like that against teams that you probably will face come finals time? Yeah, look, it's um, yeah, that's two losses to Penrith this this year, um, but I've been playing in a role a while as well, and. Um, been in some pretty good teams. We've won some minor premierships, had really good regular seasons, and then and then you get punched in the mouth in the finals game and you get rolled. So um, I think it was interesting. We looked at I suppose some of the grand finals we've played in in uh, 2016 with we minor premiers and in the grand final, um, you know, lose that one, and then Cooper Cronk grand final. We were really confident in that one as well and had a really great regular season and, and lost that. So um, I think. It, this club's, I suppose, in a bit of a different position to what we probably have been. We've had a really inconsistent year. It's been pretty disappointing. But um, as long as we keep learning and, and building as a, as a team, that's that's what I'm chasing. But as you say, it's it's not ideal. Obviously, we would have rather beaten Penrith than Penrith. But, um, yeah, I think we're, we're still confident in our ability as a team to take on anyone. You call it disappointing. You're fourth. Yeah. Um, many clubs will that as a sort of a success story. So can you absolutely close the gap and make up a bit of ground in the next year? Yeah, I think um, it's really important to, to finish top four. Um, uh, you know, the AFL have that pre-finals buy, which I think it actually brings the five to eight teams really into it, whereas I think our game's so physical and combative that getting that first week off, uh, you know, after week one of finals, it's really important. And I think a, a lot of teams... The Premier comes from that, that top four position, so that's a real goal for us, and it's a really important game this week with Canberra Raiders. So I think we're four and five, or right right near each other. So it's it's going to be a really good contest to really hopefully set up a, a big end of the year. Well, there's Walshy there, and he's exactly everything he just said is on point. Um, it's all about this weekend because this win potentially could secure the Storm a top four spot. Um, and that that needs to be that needs to be the goal, that needs to be the the focus, that needs to be the the driving force in terms of turning up this week and getting the job done. Excuse me. And I'm sure I'm sure internally it's been discussed. And it's been discussed by the leaders and it's been discussed by the playing group. It's been discussed by the coaches that they see the opportunity that they've got this week and they need to get it done. So with uh, hopefully everything going according to plan, the motivation, the mindset, the mentality is there. The performance will be there. Um, hopefully the the cards and the bounce of the ball falls the storm's way and... Come 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, the Storm are going to be entrenched in the top four. We can only hope. Now, some Storm news. Storm expressed interest in Broncos prop Payne Hass. Uh, The Storm have reportedly entered the race for superstar prop Payne Hass. Uh, According to the Courier-Mail, News Corp publication, Melbourne Power Brokers met with Hass's management to ramp up negotiations regarding a potential switch to the Storm from the Broncos in 2025. The 23-year-old has reportedly informed the Broncos he will test his market value when he hits the open market uh, November 1 with his current contract running out at the end of 2024. So... Again, we talk about the transfer system and free agency. Um, if you're coming off contract at the end of said year, you can't talk to clubs until November 1. So with Payne House currently on contract in 2023 and 2024, come November 1, if he hasn't recommitted to the Broncos, he's, he's testing market. So he becomes a free agent um, for 2025. And this is where the Storm can then make, table a formal offer to him. So at the moment, the Storm can't, the Storm or any other club for that matter, cannot offer Payne Hass a contract. They can't talk years, 
They can't talk third parties. They can't talk contract value or a deal, what it's worth, etc. They can have negotiations and talk to his manager about 2025, not 2024, but 2025, um, and what the opportunity may look like. So, again, we didn't come down in the last shower, and you can't tell me that they're not talking figures, they're not talking length of duration, all the rest of it. Everyone knows they are. Everyone knows they are. It's it's a it's a flawed system, but unfortunately there's no... There's no better system that anyone's thrown up that everyone's agreed upon. So it is what it is. We've got to take it at face value that the Storm are playing uh, within the rules as every other club that has an interest in paying has is playing by the rules as well. So, yeah, very interesting. And Craig Bellamy was asked um, about the potential of of Payne Haas potentially, or the Storm, having interest in Payne Haas. Here's what Belliak had to say at his media conference during the week, which was reported by Fox Sports News. NRL now and Storm coach Craig Bellamy has confirmed the club is interested in luring Broncos prop Payne Haas if they could find a way to do it. The 23-year-old is contracted with Brisbane until the end of next year, but is testing the open market for 2025 and beyond. While Bellamy would love to have Haas in Melbourne, he knows there's a number of challenges in swaying him from the Sunshine State. Yeah, I was asked yesterday, would we be interested in paying Haas? And I think, I know if you, if you ask 17 coaches, you, you'd all say you're interested in paying Haas. So again, you know, <laughs> we'd love to have him at our club, but at the end of the day, you know, whether we can afford him and whether he wants to come. You know, he's at a pretty strong club at the moment in the Broncos, obviously. So, um, yeah, that's about where it is. Obviously, it sounds like it's been blown up a little bit, but, yeah, so but that's about where we sit. So there's Belliac there talking about the interest by the Melbourne Storm in Payne Haas. So my personal opinion, he's a tremendous athlete. Um, he's... Stats at the moment are off the chart. Uh, he's producing some remarkable figures on the field um, for for a big man, a middle forward. Uh, he's on a trajectory to potentially become one of the game's greatest ever middle forwards, front rowers uh, that we've we've ever seen. Um, yeah, he is he is a phenomenal phenomenal athlete. Um, is he worth? One million is he worth? One point one, one point two, one point three. Look, personally, um, I believe that type of money goes towards your creatives, your spine players. So your one, six, seven, and nine, your fullbacks, your halves, your hookers. Those are the guys that have influence and can can own the result week in, week out. To me, that's where they're the money makers. Um, but. I mean, at the end of the day, a player is worth whatever a club is willing to pay them, right? So if a club is willing to go out there and throw 1.1, 1.2 of Payne Hass, well, good luck to you. Good luck to you, Payne. Um, that's great. Great coin for, for a prop. Um, and, I mean, if he gets it, well, again, you can't begrudge him. And it's not his fault. It's, it's up to the club that's going to up with that sort of cash. So whilst the salary cap is going up 22 point, uh, 22% to $12.1 million next year as well, that, I suppose, presents the storm an opportunity to potentially get into the conversation. Um, you've obviously got some players that are going to be coming off contract in 2020, the end of 2024 which is going to provide them with a little bit of wiggle room uh, to potentially submit it offer for 2025. So I think that's where the interest is coming from. Um, it's because, again, it's not for 2024, it's for 2025. So under the current circumstances and salary cap and players on contract, the Storm aren't in a position to offer big money for 2024, but 2025, that changes. So... Um, Personally, I can't see the storm. It would, it would, it would be very unusual for the storm to be throwing that type of money at a middle forward 
when traditionally the Storm have always invested heavily in their spine players. They're one, six, seven, and nine over the years, and that they've just built the team around their spine. And we're seeing that now. You're seeing that now when when we had Slater Smith, Cronk, um, Inglis, and then all of a sudden we've now got the next sort of generational transitional spine where you've got Pappenhausen, Munster, Hughes and Grant. And then they're building the team around them with role players and, and uh, tradesmen-like workers, etc. Um, so, yeah, it's it would be... I'd be very, very surprised if Payne Haas lands in Melbourne in 2025. But, look... Stranger things have happened, but he's going to be a, a man in demand. Uh, and if he, if he does end up in in a, in a Storm jersey, well, I think all Storm fans would welcome that because again, he's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, he's a tremendous player, X Factor type player, um, and yeah, any any club that that can secure his services um, is going to be in a very very fortunate position because he's only going to make their football team. Uh, a more competitive team, um, straight off the bat. He's that type of player. He has so much, so much zest, um, and can provide a lot of impetus. In uh, he's a bit of a tide riser, so he makes other players around him better as well. Um, and by all reports, he's he's a competitor. He, he's always competing uh, at training, and his his fitness and his conditioning are phenomenal. Like, not many players can play the minutes that he can. And fatigue, he never looks fatigued. He is, yeah, again, a remarkable athlete. Um, I'm sure the Broncos will be doing everything they can to retain his services. So they're in the box seat at the moment because he's currently there and and whatnot. So it's going to take something quite, I suppose, ginormous to get him out of the Broncos. But... Again, as I said, it's rugby league. It's it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, there's always something that I suppose can influence and change change the mindset of a player to to look elsewhere and and whatnot. So who knows where Payne Hass will land? But yeah, that's very interesting to see that the Storm are going to throw their hat in the ring um, for Payne Hass. Pathways and feeder club reports. So unless you uh, you will have been living under a rock for the past 384 days, Ryan Pappenhausen made his successful return to the rugby league field. And, yeah, a lot of fanfare, a lot of great... Um, hype around his return, a lot of love from the rugby league community, not only Storm fans but rugby league fans in general. Um, so it was great to see him return to action after 384 days after that horrific knee injury sustained last year. So the Sunshine Coast was buzzing with excitement last Saturday as Pappy returned to the footy field with the Falcons against the Ipswich Jets, joined by Storm Alumai. Uh, in Sua Fayalongo, Justin Ollum, Grant Anderson, Jaden Nicarima, Aaron Penney, Jack Howard, Bronson Garlic, Chris Lewis, and Lazarus Falaapu, the Falcons soared to a 14 point win over the visitors in front of a loud and proud Falcons crowd at Sunshine Coast Stadium. With Storm and the NRL fans flocking to the Sunshine Coast Stadium to witness the fullbacks comeback, Captain Luke Polesi shared it acted. Uh, as a nice fit for the home side. Alongside Pappenhausen's two opening conversions, yes, Pappy was goal-kicking in the first half, Fayalongo continued his ever-reliable point-scoring duties, scoring two tries, a conversion and a penalty goal, alongside topping the charts with 183 run metres and two line breaks. Saturday night also saw the Brisbane East's Tigers get a 26-24 win over the ladder lead over the ladder leaders in the South Logan Magpies, so a very big result for the Brisbane East Tigers. Alec McDonald was, again, a top-performing player, making a whopping 40 tackles for the Tigers, 
whilst Remus Smith began his return from injury sustained in round 21 with both a try assist and a line break assist, which again lends itself to me thinking that he will be a part of the final 17 uh, come Sunday against the Raiders. The Falcons will take on uh, the North Devils this Saturday, whilst the Brisbane East Tigers will enjoy a well-deserved break. And as we said, the Jersey Flag Melbourne Storm team had the bye, so there was no action for the Young Stormers who will be in action again uh, next week. So, yeah, uh, great to see both feeder teams had won. Now, uh, a couple of Ask Gobs questions. So I threw it out uh, during the week in terms of if you had a uh, question for the Stormcast uh, podcast, and a few people have... Have submitted a couple of questions. So the first one is Jaden Dean, uh, who said, "Will Paps play first grade in round twenty four? Uh, I don't think so. Um, well, we definitely know it won't be happening um, because he will be in the Sunshine Coast Falcons this weekend. Uh, so for his second week um, after returning to the field of play last week, so." Definitely not in first grade this week, but I get the feeling, I get the feeling that if he, I think the the plan will be to play him some longer minutes uh, this week um, against the North Devils. And if he can get through that, again, unscathed playing longer minutes, um, there's every likelihood that he will feature in round 25 against the Dragons in Wollongong. Um, So that would be best-case scenario, Uh, coming off the bench for the Storm in round 25. That's what I would envisage um, potentially could happen if he gets through uh, some longer minutes, more Ks in the legs this week uh, in reserve grade for the Sunshine Coast Falcons. So thank you for your question, uh, Jaden Dean. Um, also, John Harkness, um, he's asked, has our bubble burst? Have we had it too good for too long? Are we about to have some tough times ahead? I hate to be negative, but the Panthers have um, the pants on us quite easily. Raiders this weekend is going to be a big game up the storm. John, thank you so much for your question. No, I don't think our bubbles burst at all. Uh, inconsistent, yes, as uh, has been the theme of 2023. Um, but again, we're not alone in that as well. You look at the competition and how close the competition is right across the board. All you got to do is look at the, the top eight at the moment, especially that logjam um, uh, where you've got teams on, you know, two teams on 36. Um, the Warriors are on 32, the Storm are on 30, you've got two teams on 28. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is just, yeah, it's, you, you drop a game, you fall out of the eight, you win a game, you're in the top four. That's how close this competition is. And it's, it is, it is the nature of the competition. It, it really is. It is the nature of the competition um, because of the evening out of talent through um, the salary cap doing its job. Um, the price of success that the other teams, the higher teams in the competition, the more successful teams are having to shed players because they can't keep them all, and that comes with the price of success, as well as the introduction of the Dolphins, where 30 players right across the game um, had left other clubs, and that weakens the competition um, from from a list management perspective, where... The other 16 teams then have to replace those first graders that have moved on. So that's the inconsistency that I suppose a lot of teams, apart from Panthers and the Broncos at the moment, um, who have had settled rosters for probably the best part of two, three years now, uh, and the Broncos team we're starting to see mature, um, and then you throw in the X factor that they secured through um, Reese Walsh, the inconsistency is 
it's not just the storm. There's a lot of teams that are in the, in the same situation. You look at you look at a team like the Eels, for example. You know, they were grand finalists last year. You look at a team like the Cowboys. Um, you look at a team like the Sharks. The Sharks finished second. And, you know, there's talk that they could even fall out of the eight. So has our bubble burst? No, I don't think it has. Um, because I think what they've shown, the Storm have shown this year, when they're playing their best football, they're, they're unbeatable. They're unbeatable and they can challenge anyone and beat anyone. Um, the problem being is it's there's there's no consistency in that factor. So, but again, they're not alone. So, have we had it too good for too long? Well, I think I made mention um, to this earlier in the podcast. We've been so used to the sustained success of that. I suppose the best part of two decades, um, you know, never missing the finals, but two thousand and ten. So, yeah, sometimes I suppose. You just come to expect the Storm to always be in that, that sort of challenging for the Premiership. Um, you know, missing the top four last year and going out in the first week of the finals. Um, I know disappointed a lot of people. The inconsistency this year is, uh, has disappointed a lot of fans and members. But by the same token, as, a, as I've outlined the reasons why... Um, I don't think I don't think it's just a storm issue. I think it's it's just a result of the the way the competition has panned out this year because of the the talent being spread more evenly across the game through the introduction of a seventeenth team in the Dolphins and yeah the uh, the evening evening out of talent that the salary cap is doing its job. So look, no, I don't think you're being negative. I I, I, um, I think it's more about being realistic and understanding that this is a very uh, young Storm team, young Storm group. Uh, it's the youngest list that Bellamy's ever had. And with that comes inexperience. That inexperience then is always prone to making errors and um, the best is probably ahead of them in terms of where their football is going to be at. Uh, another pre-season, um, guys like Will Warbrick, um Trent Liero, um, young guys like that in the team that once you start to see them put 50 and 60 first-grade games together, they're only going to be better players for that as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where you can't, you can't put an old, I suppose, an old head on young shoulders. It's... It just probably requires a little bit of patience and understanding uh, from our perspective as as fans and as members. So, uh, yep, I do agree. The Panthers, no one's holding a candle to them at the moment. Um, they're far ahead of everyone, but yep, keep the faith. Um, there's still four weeks before the finals. Um and then, again, as I said, all you need is a good month of football. If you can catch fire, you're laughing. You're laughing. So thank you very much for the for the question, John. Uh, hopefully that answers it. And one final one is JR, my friend Joey from Twitter. Uh, thanks, for the, uh, thanks for the question, Joey. Joey asks, do you think Ryan Paps will feature this season for the Storm? If so, do you slot him straight in at fullback? Or do you think a better option is to put him at 14 and ease him back in? I think that's what they'll do. I think that um, if he is to find his way into uh, the Storm team in round 25 against the the Dragons in Wollongong, I'd assume that he will be on the bench and they will potentially ease him back in, um, potentially 40, 50 minutes. Um to get him sort of accustomed back to the the, the speed of the of the game, uh, and if he gets through that, that's when I think they'll they'll pull the trigger. Um, what that means for Nick Meaney, well, I think they'll find a spot for Nick Meaney potentially uh, as a utility as a fourteen, uh, or potentially even in the centres. So, um, so yeah, but um, 
I definitely think he will feature this season. Obviously, he's made his return, as we said. He's made his return to the field of play now. Um, so now it becomes a it becomes an issue of when do they pull the trigger and pull him put him in the first grade. And I don't think it'll be straight away, straight at fullback. Even though he is playing fullback, he played fullback last week um, for the Falcons. He'll play fullback this week for the Sunshine Coast Falcons as well. Um, I'd envisage they'd be starting him off the bench. He may come on and play fullback, but it won't be a full game. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't think they'll slot him straight back in at fullback. I think they'll wait a week or two um, after he does force his way back into that top 17 NRL team for the Storm. So um, that's what I envisage happening anyway. So... Let's hope that is the case. Well, that's it for the podcast. Thank you so much again for for listening. Really appreciate all the the support. Uh, Again, continue to spread the word. Really appreciate uh, people that are passing um, this podcast on to their friends, family, other Storm fans. like, subscribe, download, uh, leave a review, um, open to feedback, both good and bad, criticism, whatever. It's all good. Uh, really appreciate um, people listening. Um, so, yep, yeah, yeah. as I said, it's Members Appreciation Round at Amy Park this week. Get out there. Make sure that uh, you're, you're cancelling any sort of engagements or plans and make your way to Amy Park for Members Appreciation Round. Um, it's... By all reports, the weather is going to be absolutely fantastic. So I must be bringing the weather from Sydney. How delightful. Um, So, yeah, so uh, enjoy your uh, weekend of... Rugby league. And, uh, yeah, let's hope the Storm can get the chocolates against our bogey team, our nemesis, Ricky's Raiders. He'll have them pumped uh, to try and get another win against the Storm, against his... uh, one of his best mates in Craig Bellamy, who he played at the Raiders with in the in the eighties and the nineties, um, so he'll have them motivated. But I think a desperate Storm team, they'll be wanting to make a statement. They'll be wanting to secure that top four spot, um, and hopefully they they can do it with ease. Um, but it it'll be really the main focus will be ensuring that they just get victory in any way fashion or manner possible so let's hope that is the case so go storm i'm gonna predict storm by eight